Well, good morning. Hello to you in the room. Great to look around and see familiar faces and one or two new ones as well. You're very, very welcome. And uh, hello to you at home, uh, watching at the time or later. It's a privilege to be able to bring God's Word to you this morning. I wonder if uh, you could just think for yourselves for a moment into the, the scene where you may be familiar with from the Bible where uh, Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people in a house, it's very crowded, and some friends of a paralyzed man are so desperate to get him in front of Jesus that they end up going up on the top of the roof of the house, taking, uh, making a hole in the roof and lowering the man right in front of Jesus. He's been paralyzed uh, for many years, I think it might be since birth in fact, and uh, everybody's watching, they're kind of wondering what the miracle working Jesus is going to do, and there's this pregnant kind of moment when Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. And you can imagine people looking at each other and thinking, hang on a minute, thinking two things. First of all, thinking, but I thought he was going to heal him, or I hoped he was, but also thinking, did I just hear him right? Did he, did he say what I think I heard him say? Your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees, for sure, were thinking, who do you think you are? Because it was the ultimate expression of a claim to be God, and therefore, if you're not God, it's blasphemy. Who is this Jesus? Jesus provokes the question, who is he? We're going to be looking at a, a series of Jesus' statements in John's Gospel over this summer period where he says, I am, and then a number of things. And we're going to take them one at a time as we look to unpack something of the person of Jesus. We're going to start today in John chapter 8. If you have a Bible, you might like to turn with me to that. And we're going to look at uh, a few verses. It's in a passage where the Pharisees have been challenging Jesus and there's actually quite a combative kind of debate taking place in the temple courts. And for sake of time, I'm just going to read you um, a few verses from it. But that's the context. We're going to read John 8 and beginning at verse 23. Jesus, speaking to them, continues, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? They asked. Just what I've been claiming all along, Jesus replied. Verse 28. Jesus said, When you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what my Father has taught me. Unless you believe I'm God on the cross, in other words, Jesus is saying, you will die in your sins. We'll come back to that a little bit later. The Jews replied to Jesus and say, but we're the descendants of Abraham. In other words, we're okay. Let's see what Jesus has to say about that. Dropping down to verse 54. Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. 
Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. See what I mean? This is a combative debate, isn't it? Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You're not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him. And you've seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple courts. Jesus, speaking of God, says to these Jewish debaters, you do not know him. He's saying to them, your ancestry means nothing in terms of relationship with God. The application for us in our nation would be living here in this part of England does not make us a Christian. Whatever your ancestry is, it doesn't of itself make you a Christian. And then Jesus comes out with this statement, before Abraham was, I am. And the reason they pick up stones to stone him, because they're taking that as Jesus is aligning himself with the very description that God makes of himself in Exodus chapter 3, where God says, I am who I am. And speaking to Moses, he says, tell them that I am has sent you to the people of Israel. They know that Jesus is aligning himself with that, in that quite deliberately and intentionally. That's the phraseology. And therefore they say, he's claiming to be God. Therefore they pick up stones. This is blasphemy. C.S. Lewis, an Oxford academic of a last generation, talked about the claims of Jesus in this way. And he said, look, there are three possible conclusions that we can come to. Either he was insane. In other words, he was quite mad. He just completely, he completely got it wrong. Or he was deceived. <laughs> Deliberately, consciously, he knew he wasn't God, but he was pretending to be. He was, dece- he was a deceiver, I should say. Or thirdly, he actually was God. He actually was who he said he was. And Jesus doesn't give us any other alternative choices. He's either, in other words, mad or bad or God. Today we're going to take a few minutes to look at God's self-revelation in Scripture. And I want to read a number of Scriptures to us and praying that God will speak in, right into our hearts through the public reading of his word. They're gonna, a number of texts are going to come up on the screen now and you might like to take a screenshot or a photo if you're at home um, and uh, so you can kind of capture these to go back to. I will be referring to them as we go through so if you're writing notes you'll be able to write them down but we won't leave them up on the screen for too long right now. This is what Jesus says, uh, God says, about himself. Let me read you right from the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And in verse 31, at the end of the creation account, 
God saw all that he'd made, and it was very good. It says something to us, doesn't it, about God? Let's quieten our hearts. Listen to the word of God this morning. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. He's referring to Jesus. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. John testifies, verse 15, concerning him. He cries out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he is before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Jesus has always been. Jesus is. Jesus always will be. Before Abraham was, I am, he said. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses witnesses a, an appearance of God in a burning bush. And it says this, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Don't come any closer. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. He is holy. Jumping to 1 Kings, chapter 19, 11 to 13. Elijah is on the run. He is anxious and depressed. He wants to die. And God says to him, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Very like the experience of the Israelites when God appeared to Moses in Exodus 19. And the mountain trembled at the presence of the Lord. And there was thunder and earthquake. And the people all trembled it was the overwhelming presence of God Elijah's experience we imagine is that going to be the same from what we've just read the powerful wind the mountains shattered but let's read on but the Lord was not in the wind after the wind there was an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake after the earthquake came a fire but the Lord was not in the fire as he had been with Moses of course and after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, 
What are you doing here, Elijah? Can you see the contrasting ways in which God makes himself known? The voice of God that brings the world into being. The presence of God that overwhelms even the mountains that shake and the people of Israel who tremble. And then by contrast, God coming to Elijah at his point of deepest need in a gentle whisper. Isn't that beautiful? Before Abraham was, I am, said Jesus. In Daniel chapter 10, we read of a vision of Jesus. Commentators tell us that this description of, is, of a, is of Jesus before he was born. It lines up absolutely with Ezekiel chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 1, visions of Jesus, which you can read about, and the verses were on the screen. Let's read a couple of verses from one Dan, from Daniel 10. I'm going to read verse, verse 4. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me didn't see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground, and then a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. Verse 18. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, O man, highly esteemed, he said. Peace. Be strong now. Be strong. We have this, his face flashing like lightning, his eyes flame like torches on the one hand and then his touch and his voice and his reassurance on the other. Don't be afraid. You're precious to God. Be strong. Receive peace. God is bringing us what we need this morning. He's bringing us on the one hand an understanding of his extraordinary, magnificent beauty and greatness. And on the other hand, his willingness to draw close, to touch, to speak. Say, I am the great I am. I'm also here for you. It's amazing. Philippians chapter 2, describing Jesus, says this, that our attitude is to be the same as his, who, being in very nature God, 
did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him to the highest place. God of glory, and yet a God of such humility and servanthood. Who do you say I am, Jesus said. To us, he's, he's Lord and his Saviour. And he calls for a response from us in being who he is. Shall we take a moment to pray together? As, our, as we're doing this, I'll ask the musicians to come back up because I'd like us to sing a song together in a few minutes. But whether you're at home or whether you're in the room, just keep, I suggest you just keep your eyes closed as we pray. And be in your heart asking yourself the question, who do you say that Jesus is? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he calls us to put our faith in him. He said, it's only as we believe in him, the Son of God, lifted up on a cross. It's only as we put our trust in him and his sacrifice on our behalf, who paid the price for all of our wrongdoing, so that God could forgive us if we will only give our wrongdoing to him. The Bible calls it sin. If you've never done that yet, if you've never said to God, I need to give you my sin, I give it to Jesus on the cross, I thank you that he died in order that I could be forgiven, then I invite you to make that decision in your heart right now. If you know that that's where you're at, then a phone number is going to come up on the screen now so that you can take a note of that and get in touch with us. And we would love to help you in any way we can to get to know this Jesus who gave his very life to save you, to bring you back into relationship with God and to make meaning of life. Whoever we are today, let's pray for a moment. You might have been following God for decades or maybe just a few months. Jesus... We make our response to you today. We want to thank you for being the magnificent God that you are. We worship you. We want to obey you. We want to love you with all our hearts and lives.